Basically, I was at risk of Alzheimer's, osteoporosis, and my body had gone to menopause when I was 21, and it was all self-induced. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Hey guys, most of you know that I have returned back to a plant-based diet, so my beverage consumption has increased quite quite a bit. Don't judge. I know there's some of you out there that really enjoy beverages. So one of my favorite things to drink lately, which I'm consuming a lot of, is Four Sigmatic's new Golden Latte Mushroom Mix. It has shiitake and turmeric in it. It's totally organic, caffeine-free, vegan, and only one gram of palm sugar per serving. I love being able to travel with these little packets because they're really easy to make. All you need is some hot water. Some of the additional ingredients in the golden latte are adaptogenic tulsi, warming ginger, and a pinch of black pepper to support turmeric skin loving properties. So not only do your insides feel amazing, but your skin looks great. Go to Four Sigmatic now and enter promo code radically loved. That's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y L-O-V-E-D to get 15% off of your entire purchase. Be sure to check out all the other products that they have there as well. Hey listeners, we need your support. Help us by subscribing and rating to this podcast. Send us a snapshot of your review or comment and we will send you a very special radically loved gift. Send your comment to info at radicallyloved.com. You can also click on the show notes here on this podcast for more information. If you want to be part of our community, please click the link to our private Facebook group on the show notes of this particular podcast so you can be the first to hear of upcoming trainings, retreats, and special Radically Loved events. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, welcome, everyone, and I have one of my favorite guests ever of all time uh, t- today with us, uh, Sahar Rose. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here again. I can't believe it's been almost a year no. since I've been here. It was no, last it? October. No. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my Crazy. goodness, that is insane. Yeah. <gasps> time. Fl- I feel like you were just here. Wait, was the couch different? I think it the was whole okay. setup was different. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, well, there you, the studio has changed. Thanks. The studio, aka my living room. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be back in the studio. Well, I'm so excited. We just spent a week together last week. Last week, the week before last. The week before last. Yeah, we went on this awesome week long retreat that we'll, we'll discuss here in a minute. But what I'm most excited to talk to you about is your new book. Your new book that's just come out. 
Um, that is basically the supplement to your first book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. It is uh, Eat, Feel, Fresh. It's a contemporary plant-based Ayurvedic cookbook, yes. which I love cooking, so I'm super excited to get into this. Um, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about all the things. Are you keeping track of all the questions? Okay, let's get into it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, first, let's talk about our little extravaganza where we were. I, I posted pretty heavily on Instagram and I had a lot of people asking all kinds of questions and what I kept finding is I kept referring people to your website because <laughs> everybody's like, what's a dosha? And I'm just like, oh Lord. <laughs> Um, and even though like, again, for me, it's like, I've studied it, but I always feel like somebody with your background that has actually written a book about it would be better equipped, equipped to answer those questions. And you're, you have so much great information on your website, quizzes and things people can do to like investigate, but tell the audience a little bit about what we just went through. Yeah, so we went through a pancha karma, and pancha karma is a five-fold detoxification in Ayurveda, and Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system that is the sister science of yoga and originated in ancient India over 5,000 years ago. So yoga is the practice of, of spiritual enlightenment. It means to yoke. It means to become one with Brahma, universal source energy. And Ayurveda was sort of the predecessor. And it said, how can you really practice yoga? How can you leave your body when your digestion is suffering or when you're anxious or when your back hurts or whatever these physical and mental issues are? So Ayurveda is really a physical and mental practice, whereas yoga is a spiritual practice. So a lot of people who go to yoga class Classes to help with their anxiety or for, to get more flexible. When you really go deep into what that means, it's, it's Ayurveda that they're practicing if it has a physical or mental component. So Ayurveda is, is so much more than just a health science, but it looks at the mind and the body as interconnected. And there are so many facets of Ayurveda that we could we couldn't even get into all of them in this episode, but um, a big kind of entry point for people is knowing their body, what their dosha is. So the word dosha means energy. And there are three main doshas. Um, they are vata, which is the air energy, pitta, which is fire, and kapha, which is earth. And we can get more into all of those, but this is all like before you even know what a panchakarma is, you need to know. <laughs> you still need to know these things. Um, so... A panchakarma is the detoxification treatment or retreat in Ayurveda, and it's to balance your three doshas. So we are not just one dosha, we are all, all three, but in varying amounts. So you may have been born primarily pitta, secondarily kapha, lastly vata, that's yours specifically, mm -hmm. um, but because of your diet, your lifestyle, stress levels, etc. that combination could look different. So let's say you've been traveling a lot, you've been eating on the go, you've been having a lot of salads, smoothies, raw, dry, cold foods, your vata is going to go up because that's air energy, right? So things that are feel airy, like being up in the air, traveling, being moving, Tra traveling yeah. yeah car um that's all going to create more movement more wind more space so think things that are moving fast they're going to create more vata and then foods that are cold raw dry like salads smoothies crackers granola bars kale chips like all of these foods that we eat that we believe are the healthiest foods are actually all just vata increasing foods. So that's why vata is the imbalance that is the most common from people today because we are living very vata increasing lifestyles and eating vata increasing 
diets, right? And yeah. and that's what brought me into Ayurveda, which I can share more about, just having a severe, severe vata imbalance that led to my body shutting down. So, um, and then a pit to imbalance would be too much fire in your system. So fire in the mind is to be really sharp, to be goal-oriented, organized, analytical, a good speaker. But when there's excess fire, that can turn into heat, anger, impatience, agitation, like being on the 405, like honking at the person in front of you. Like there's a, there's a lot of pitta going on in the city. But, um, you know, I talk about you, there's light and shadow and everything, right? So a good example of like a pitta person who's in their power is Jennifer Lopez. You know, she is feisty. She is sexy. She's in her mid forties. She's like better than ever before. And I don't, I've never met JLo, but I'm sure she's like, knows what she wants, like, come on, get in line, dancers, like, <laughs> you and back, Jose, like, you know, she's like a boss, and she's a perfect example of a pitta, you can just feel the fire in her, right, and even her songs are all about, like, fuego, like, she's so, she loves the fire, and she's a Leo on top of that, so it's like, wow, you're pitta AF, but another example of the shadow side is Donald Trump, right? He is angry. He is egotistical. He uses us versus them modalities of like, we're right and they're wrong and they're the immigrants and they're the terrorists. So we all have to come together to fight against them. And it's almost like this like rounding of the troops, that sort of energy. And that can work in a lot of ways because it gets people riled up and it gets people angry. And fear is a really powerful force to create motivation from, even if it's a shadow side. And then you can see in Donald Trump's body, he has a lot of redness in his face, rosacea. You can tell he has a lot of inflammation in his system. He eats, you know, junk food a lot. I can guarantee you he has like heartburn, acidity issues. So we all need to send him some cilantro. Yeah, <laughs> some cooling, some, cooling, some coconuts. He needs to go to the Art of Living Institute. He does. So then people with kapha imbalances, which which is the earth dosha, they are really calm, they are grounded, they are peaceful, they talk like this sometimes. Mm. Mm. And if you're not kapha, you're really annoyed right now because <laughs> I'm talking so slowly. Mm. Let's just hug for a good mm -hmm. seven minutes Heart right now. Yes. <laughs> An eye gaze. So. So that's a little bit of kapha energy right now. You see that sometimes on the west side of Los Angeles. Yeah. So kapha, it's, it's, it's earth, right? So think about the earth. It's grounded. It's an, yeah. like, what's an earth mama like, right? You think of like bohemian, you know, she, yeah. she walks with no shoes on, yeah. you know, flowy skirt. flowy skirt. And she like still feeds her kids breast milk and they're like eight years eight old. Years old. <laughs> <laughs> like, just right for them <laughs> so but on the other side you know like kaffas are the people that everyone come to and they have a problem so i call it oprah energy right yeah. like oprah is world known not for the sharp advice that she gave and the motivation and the inspiration but because she was so capable of holding space for people yeah and she was able to ask the right questions and then sit and listen and that silence right there is the gift of kapha. And that is a gift that a lot of people are afraid of because they feel like if they create those moments of silences, those sacred pauses, they'll lose you. Whereas actually, they're actually attracting you. 
right? So kaphas are very good at that holding that space and that's like, it's like the grandmother. You're naturally like, what is grandmother going to say? Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to be jabbing her head off, but she says one thing, you're like, ah, what, ah, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's that Oprah energy, that grandmother energy and the grandmother, the earth, Mama Tierra, she loves to give, right? The earth is always giving. It's giving us resources, water, oil, gas, everything we need. And we just take, 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 take. And eventually the earth ends up depleted. So Kafa people put their friends before themselves. They put their family, their spouses, everyone. They make sure everyone else is okay. But sometimes when it comes to their own self-care practice, that gets on the back burner. So what Kafas really learn, need to learn how to do is how to stand up in their own power and how to really put themselves first. And that's really hard because what gives Kafas kind of um, happiness is to make people around them happy. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means you have to find the balance. So if you have a Kafa imbalance, the way it will physically manifest is you're holding onto body weight, especially in your thighs and in your hips. You get that like very womanly curvaceous figure. <laughs> Rosie's grasping her luscious hips right now. Um, but if you think about that, it's your lower body. So it's you anchoring your body, trying to anchor yourself onto earth, like, like a tree trunk essentially. And, um, it's also related to the hormone estrogen, which is the hormone that makes us want to give and be love loving and motherly and have all of these kapha like qualities. So you feel heavy, you can feel sluggish, you can feel lethargic, you might feel like you need to nap in the afternoon, which we talked about. I think the Ayurvedic yeah, doctor yeah. was like, no more napping, because if you're a kapha, yeah, it will perpetuate the kapha. Yeah. yeah, so if you're feeling sluggish, heavy, lethargic, um, mucus, hypothyroid issues, um, allergies, just stickiness, sticky stool, uh, cold, sweaty palm hands. These are all signs of kapha as well as depression. Though kapha is the happiest dosha, the most loyal, the most friendly, they're also the most likely to suffer from depression. So a good example is Robin Williams. Robin Williams was an amazing comedian. He was making the world laugh and we did not know that he was depressed. So kaphas really need to activate the, the throat chakra and that's where kapha is stored in the body. So that's why mucus, phlegm, mm -hmm. all of those related issues, as well as speaking your truth, singing, chanting, mantras, these are all very healing for yeah. kaphas. Yeah. So Apancha Karma, going okay, back to what that is. That's so good, we needed the breakdown of all of it. Yeah. We need the foundation. So the first thing that happens when you go to a Panchakarma is they will take your pulse, they will look at your body, they'll have you answer some questions, and based off of that, they will tell you what your natural prakriti is, your natural born dosha constitution, as well as what your vikriti is, the dosha constitution that you have today. So for example, can we give you as an example? Yeah. So your um, prakriti was pitta, kapha, vata, but your vikriti was now kapha the highest, that was happening it right was, now? Well, she said I was dual pitta kapha. What was out of balance for you? Pitta. Your pitta was too high. Yeah. Was there a kapha imbalance too or just your pitta? There was a little bit of a kapha imbalance. Okay. Yeah. So, as, so you were born primarily pitta, secondarily kapha, lastly vata. But now since you've been working, you're traveling, you're managing, you have your podcast, you have your teacher trainings, you have all of these things, your pitta is enhanced. You already had high pitta, but you've been capitalizing on it too much. And that's what led to the pitta imbalance, which can look like burnout, adrenal fatigue, being stressed out all the time. Um, just being in this like frenzy fight or flight, always go, 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 and not being able to like 
sit back and rest. But luckily you do naturally have that cough aside to you, which allows you to be able to like take those naps. So if you were someone who was like a pure pitta, you'd be like, I cannot take naps. Like I can't, you would be too wired, <laughs> which right? I've done, I've done in the past. Like I've done, you know, I've been in that place where I couldn't even be bothered. You know, Tori might be like, maybe we should take a nap or honey, you were really up early this morning. Like, do you want to lay down for a minute? And I'm like, no, I, I can't, I got too much, like yesterday, right. I was like, I can't, I had too much, too much stuff I need to do, but look, whether it was my recommendation or not, again, it's like, I think if I'm to the extreme and the other way, I can nap mm -hmm. for hours. Mm -hmm. I'm not like the 20 minute lay down. I'm like, I need a nap. I need a nap for two hours. I need to read. I need to like lounge and maybe I'll get up and do some more work and then I might not, you know? Right. Well, that's your, that's your cough that's coming in. That's yeah. like, let's hibernate now. So since you have those two pretty high, it's like this like battle in between. So a lot of people, when they hear about Ayurveda, they're like, I don't know. I'm not just one of the doshas. I feel like I'm a cross between two. Like we all are a cross between all three. So this is a really good example of you totally having that pitta side, totally having that kapha side. So what you would need is more of that vata to come through. Yeah. So more just like time to create, right? And during the panchakarma, we did pottery. Oh my goodness. So stuff like that, just like <laughs> creating for the sake of it, not for the end goal or not because you're trying to like rest but just to like make, just to use that Saraswati, that creatus goddess energy and to allow more um, space in your schedule. Like times where it's not that you're gonna sleep, it's not that you're gonna work, but it's just like open. Like, do what do I wanna do? Do I wanna journal? Do I wanna like do feng shui? I don't know, like, <laughs> but spaces like that would be really good for you. So we're yeah. always trying to bring up the dosha that we are the lowest in. Yeah, yeah. And so the panchakarma was basically this process of us being able to reset and restore and yes. get to a place where we found a little bit more balance. Exactly. Through diet, through different treatments. So in Ayurveda, there are so many different, they're kind of like massage treatments, but not, they're not all massages. Um, a very common one is called Abhyanga. So Abhyanga is an oil massage. So, I mean, normally massages are with oils, but this is like a lot of oil, yeah, like, like, like a gallon of, yeah. of hot oil. It's crazy. You can't even use a normal bed. You have to be like totally covered in blankets. So the oil is going to be customized for whatever dosha is out of balance for you. So if you are a vata, it's going to be sesame. If you're a pitta, it's going to be coconut. If you're a kapha, traditionally they would do like a mustard kind of oil, but you could really go with both depending on what the season is. Um, so that's a really good one because oil in Ayurveda, the word oil means sneha, which means love. So oil is love and it's the basis of everything in Ayurveda because it is an ancient science. So if you had any problem, they didn't have pharmaceutical medicine. They're like, okay, what oils, what herbs, what spices can I use to heal you with? So that's why you see oil, you see ghee, you see just like literally products that you use in your kitchen being used for all sorts of things in, yeah. in panchakarma. Yeah. From your eyes, they put ghee in your eyes to help with, with eyesight. They clean your ears with it. I mean, there's ghee in like every crevice. Like, <laughs> every crevice. Every crevice. And it's amazing because you might be like, that sounds like weird and horrible, but it works because if it didn't work, it wouldn't still be going on. And there's a yeah. lot of things that are trends that come in and out. But the fact that this has persisted yeah. since over 5,000 years ago and is still being practiced and is in fact gaining more popularity than ever before is just a true testament that we have 
gone like headless chickens into like, am I going to be keto? Am I going to be paleo? Am I going to be raw vegan? This, that, that. And instead the answers are really just like going back to how did my great grandmother eat? How did my ancestors eat? Like what has actually worked through the history of time? And also giving permission that what works for your friend may not work for you. What worked for you last year may not work for you today. What works for you in the summer may not work for you in the winter. Yeah. What works for you in New York may not yeah. work for you in California. And instead of that overwhelming you by understanding the doshas, you're able to have language for it. So you're able to see why, like, look, I drove here, I got out of the car. The, my first thought is it's very pitta here because it's, it's much hotter and drier than it is in Santa Monica where I live. Yeah. So immediately I know, okay, I'm in this more pitta mindset. So I need to gravitate towards the cooling things. So these are things that we naturally observe in our bodies. But when we know the doshas, then we're able to kind of like put it into language and then know exactly how we're going to fix it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think it's, to me, just studying for, you know, even over the last decade, it's been the only system that has ever really, truly worked for me. Mm -hmm. Anytime I feel like I've gone out of balance or something's not right, I always revert back to this and it always fixes whatever the issue is mm -hmm. every single time. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, well, why don't you just stick to it? Because it's like, you know what? Sometimes I want to have ice cream and right. sometimes I want to be able to go and have a nice dinner or enjoy a treat here and there or, you know, eat in bed or have an entire bag of Chicago mixed popcorn. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> things that I know aren't Ayurvedically, you know, recommended. But for the most part, as I said, I think that for me, this, I, I mean, I can definitely attest to it because it, it works, you know, and I, I really feel like there's so many things that, like you said, you know, with keto or this or that, all these different things that have come in, I always gravitate towards things that are time tested. Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not talking like a hundred years. I mean, this is centuries, mm -hmm. you know, this has been around for a long period of time. And to me, there's got to be some efficacy to it. Mm -hmm. There has to be something to it. And again, it's like with whatever it is that you believe for yourself, you have to give credit to the fact that this has been around for as long as it has. Um, yeah, so thank you for going into that. I want to talk about your book. Um, this is another one uh, with the forward by Deepak Chopra, and he wrote the forward to your first book as well. Yes. And... Um, I want to kind of go back to what you said originally, and I don't actually know that we really went into this when I had you on the first time, but you you talked about having a period in your life where you were really vata deranged, where you said you were really like in this place where you were just completely uh, depleted, mm -hmm. if it's safe to say. Can you tell us a little bit of more about what that was like for you, what did it look like, and what led you, and how was that the catalyst for this? Yeah, so, um, well, growing up, I actually ate a lot of junk food and was super not healthy. If anyone told me you're gonna be a nutritionist, I'd be like, no way at all. Like, junk food queen, became overweight, got really bad asthma, was not able to play outside as a kid like at all, like I would go outside and I would have such severe asthma attacks that I spent like three Mother's Day in the emergency room because that I lived in New England, so it has a lot of pollen there. And um, my mom would always tell me like, it's because of the foods you're eating. And I would tell the doctors, I'm like, my mom thinks it's because of the foods I'm eating. They're like, no way, you know? Cause there is, they're like, no, some kids are just born with asthma and some aren't. There's no connection between that and the foods that you're eating. I just had a cough imbalance, right? So everything was, pointing to that, but I didn't, I didn't know about it. Um, 
So I eventually wanted to lose weight and to lose weight. I don't know if I ever told you this story. Um, no. So I was overweight and I was like in seventh grade and I was just so embarrassed about how I looked. I couldn't, I like would skip school on days that we had to like do physical activity at the, at, um, the, whatever the obstacle course. No, like we, there was like, you have to, to pass seventh grade, you have to like run half a mile without like stopping. I'm like, no way. (laughs) So, um, and I was just so embarrassed of that, that I decided that I would do anything to lose weight and looked at Cosmo magazine, trusted Cosmo. And it says Jennifer Aniston practices hot yoga to look good basically. So I'm like, hot yoga, what is that? I'm signing up. So I saw a place called Prana Power Yoga in my like small town in Newton, Massachusetts. And I'm like, mom, after school, you're dropping me off there. She's like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, and she drops me off. She's like, I don't know why you want the hot yoga, but <laughs> why you not come home, eat cucumber with me? <laughs> So um, she drops me off. I'm wearing like you know a jumpsuit, Fubu jumpsuit. <laughs> and I get in the room and it's like a hundred and like eight degrees, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so hot. Everyone's doing this like choreography. I'm like, what's this dance? Has everyone like learned the dance before? I know what's happening, and I'm like sweating and sweating, and I'm like trying to keep up. And for the first time, I just felt connected to my body. I wasn't trying to escape from my body. I wasn't trying to run away from it. I wasn't trying to pretend it didn't exist. I was going into it. And I just started crying in that class, like just feeling myself and just like feeling like so much shame around my body, but also like really wanting to be friends with it again. So I decided that I would not tell anyone, but I would start going to hot yoga after school. And I start practicing and practicing and learning and getting better about it and started to read books about the Vedas. I started to read Deepak Chopra. I started to read all of these books and kind of went down this like yogic path at a really young age and um, eventually started to like travel and volunteer and do all of these things. And I lost the weight. My allergies went away. Like I became a totally different person physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And then years later, that took me to the extreme of becoming a raw vegan because I thought, well, if junk food is bad, then just eating fruits and vegetables only must be the best thing I could possibly do. So I basically became a raw vegan and at first I felt really great. And um, after a few months, I noticed my hair was coming down in chunks. I would like feel dizzy all the time. Sometimes I would go to the gym and I would just faint there or like go to the bathroom and like be like dry heaving and like then like pass out on the toilet. Like, yeah, something was for sure up. And um, I started to lose a lot of weight, like 30 pounds. It was like 88 pounds and um, and I'm not short. So that I looked really scary and unhealthy. And um, my bones started getting injured all the time. I didn't get my period for two years. Oh, um, and basically my body was shutting down and I, but the worst of all is I couldn't digest anything. Anything I ate would cause me the worst stomach pain ever. Like I would eat and like be on the couch, like, please, oh my God, like get me out of this moment right now. Cause I was in so much pain. So I would just keep eating more of like bananas or whatever I could. But if I ate like food combined the wrong way, I drink a coconut water after the salad, 
so much pain. Like it was, it had gotten so bad. And, you know, sometimes when you're going through that, you go even stricter on your diet. The stricter I became, the more um, this problem happened. So I went to so many doctors. They, they said, you have IBS, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, you have this, you have that. Um, but the solution was just another pill. And there was never really the reason why. Like hypothalamic amenorrhea means your brain, your hypothalamus is telling your body that it's not safe to have a period. So it's actually coming from your brain. So, and when your period shuts down, especially after two years, and I was 21 years old, um, that I got a blood test. I had zero estrogen, zero testosterone. Like I had no hormones in my body at all. So that's menopause. So my body was going through menopause um, and essentially everything was just shutting down, like zero sex drive, like zero, like anything. Um, so at that time I had been going to India and I was teaching health and sanitation in the slums of Delhi, still a raw vegan in India, which is like unheard of. Um, they used to call me the cow because they had like never seen someone eat like, like leafy raw like greens. Cow? Yeah. Like cow? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I would like order food from this like farm in, in this other city, Haryana, and like only eat that. I was like still so adamant about this. And um, I decided while I was there, I had gone to every doctor under the sun, might as well visit an Ayurvedic one. And she instantly told me, she's like, Veta, you're too pretty to never have a baby. I'm like, how does she know? Because I didn't, I didn't tell her that. But she just knew from seeing me that I was yeah. obviously infertile. So... Basically, I was at risk of Alzheimer's, osteoporosis, and my body had gone to menopause when I was 21, and it was all self-induced from trying to be the healthiest person possible, which was not the right diet for what my body needs. Yeah. So the suggestions she gave me, though, were like, only eat kitchery for the rest of your life oh and eat spoonfuls of ghee. And I was like, oh, and I would try it and I would feel so sick, especially because I was plant-based and I just, I'm not a ghee person. Even in the punch crumb, I don't, I don't eat ghee at all. Um, so I was like, there must be a way for me to do this Ayurveda stuff, but not with like all of this ghee and like all of these herbs and spices. How can I make this work? Because it made so much sense to me but a lot of the practices, I was like, this this doesn't work for today's time. Yeah. Um, so I started to study it. I studied it for two years. I stayed in India just learning everything I could about Ayurveda, but simultaneously translating it and then seeing, okay, are there studies that show this? Okay, how could this work in today's world? Okay, how can I make this more plant-based? So maybe instead of ghee, I can use sesame oil. Maybe instead of rice, I can do quinoa. Maybe instead of this random vegetable that doesn't grow anywhere else but here, I can use a sweet potato, which grows everywhere. So I was constantly trying to adapt and make it work for today's world and testing it on myself and not not only physically did I become better, but also mentally. I didn't realize that I had really bad anxiety and that my mind was constantly racing. I couldn't, I thought it would take me like four hours to sleep every night. I thought that was normal, right? Um, but that was all related to my body being super vata. So eventually the anxiety went away. I was able to like figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was able to stay put. I was able to get my period back and things started to fall into balance. And I saw that, oh my gosh, food is just like the beginning, but it's an entry point into such a greater living science. A quick message from our sponsor. If you're looking for a nutrient system that truly embraces and complements the mind-body balance in a holistic, nurturing way, then wellness kits from Uveda are your natural answer. They're created with the help of naturopathic and Ayurvedic practitioners committed to the healing traditions mantra of purity and harmony. These top quality ingredients are hand-picked and refined in a way that preserve utmost quality and potency. 
Discover a wide range of formulas that deliver essential fatty acids, herbs, probiotic strains, and enzymes to help support your health and wellness needs. Whether you're looking for a natural detox support, a gentle digestive aid, soothing probiotics, or a formula dense in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, you can be assured you're getting only the best natural healing remedies for your body. Go to uveda.com, that's Y-O-U-V-E-D-A.com, and enter the promo code ROSIE, R-O-S-I-E, for a special discount on your first purchase. Wow, that, and that, I mean, that's such a visceral experience for you to basically get to a place where you realize that you were doing something so, isn't it funny how we end up in this place, like thinking that we're doing one thing? Yeah. Like that's super great for us. I remember for, you know, during the same time, around the same time for, for me, when I was a teenager, I was really, you know, we talked about this, I think I've told you this before, I was like almost 200 pounds, I was severely overweight, I was on the McDonald's diet, like, obviously I was on medication for anxiety and depression, and you know, all these things were happening, and I was kind of trying to really find my way, and you know, I started to learn about food, but like, initially I started to do the Atkins diet, which I didn't, I was never really a big fan of meat, like, it was never really a huge part of my well, I guess it was if I was eating McDonald's, but that's not really... Well, maybe you ate it for the bread and the cheese, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the McFlurries. Yeah. That's really mostly what I ate. Um, but I remember, like, going really heavy into the meat, and I did lose weight, but I felt so awful. Like, I felt terrible. Like, same thing. It's like I went from one extreme to the, another, and I lost way too much weight, and then it was like a thing where I had all this body dysmorphia because then I just I always saw, you know, the the heavier version of myself, and then I didn't understand like what this this body was supposed to look like mm-hmm. or be like or feel like. It wasn't until I started practicing yoga and doing the same. Like I started to learn more about nutrition and mm-hmm. about food and how we are what we eat right and and there are different types of modalities that we can do to achieve a better health and so thank you for sharing that yeah we had never talked about that before I didn't know that it was that extreme that's pretty traumatic mm-hmm. you know for for you and it makes sense obviously to where you are now and, and what you talk about and what you teach you know it's definitely more heart-centric and it's definitely more about getting to know your own personal um, experience your body, your mental space, your spiritual being, and all of those things. So, um, tell me about this incredible book that you just wrote. Um, because I know you've been writing that you started this last year. Yes. And it's now complete, and I'm actually holding the first ever copy of this book, yes. which is absolutely beautiful. I love that it has the pictures. The the idiot's guy didn't have very many pictures and I feel like this book is so much more you and I can even tell just with you know the pictures and it just it feels very uh ritualistic which you know I love Mm -hmm. um so tell us tell us about this and how did you get Deepak to write another foreword for your book oh well Deepak is just like been the sweetest support and advocate like I didn't have to get him I just told him he's like okay sure (laughs) <laughs> like at this point it's like so awesome well, with him. So for the people listening, if you 
want to know how Sahara <laughs> met Deepak, you have to listen to the first episode we recorded, which I will link to this podcast because you have this story is incredible. So listen <laughs> to that and then come back and hit play on this again. Okay, continue. Yeah, like we weren't like friends growing up at all. I was a stranger that walked up to him in a crowded auditorium that I wasn't even supposed to be in. And that's how that happened. So um, if you ever see someone that you look up to, walk up to them and just show yourself and you never know what could happen. Um, so the book is really my fresh and modern approach to Ayurveda. The first book I wrote, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, was very much like... Um, sharing what Ayurveda is and translating it to make sense for today's people. Whereas this was, how do I see it? So they're the very recipes that literally saved my life. And the way that I organized it was, um, a lot of people are confused. What do I eat for my dosha? So if I'm a pitta kapha, do I eat for pitta? Do I eat for kapha? What about if it's a summer and I'm a vata? Then what do I do? And there's like so many confusions and questions about this that I would constantly get. And I lived with Ayurvedic doctors in Delhi and they did not cook a different meal for each person in the family. Everyone ate the same meal. They made it tridoshically. So for me in this book, I really wanted to teach tridoshic eating. And that means to eat for all three doshas, right? When you eat kitchri, they didn't have a vata kitchri, pitta kitchri, kapha. It was yeah. kitchri. Yeah. It's tridoshic. So tridoshic, the way that you do it is, um, you take out anything that would imbalance one of the doshas. So for vata, anything that's cold, raw, dry, like if I do like raw kale salad, that's going to imbalance vata. So if I have a vata member in my family, I'm not gonna serve a big just salad for dinner and that's it. So don't incorporate any of those in the book. But you could do some raw things as long as there's also cooked foods in it. Like let's say there's like some um, some raw spinach leaves, like baby spinach, which is easier to digest than like kale with sweet potato, like that could be okay for vatas. So again, with Ayurveda, and we'll talk more about this, it's all about incorporating the six tastes. Now for pitta, if you have a pitta in your family, you don't want to serve like hot sauce or something that's really garlicky or lots of tomato sauce or spicy because that's going to throw the pitta out of balance. If you do, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, almost all Indian food has at least one tomato in there in the um, like onions and stuff like that. So if it's like a little bit for like a batch for eight people, that's okay. But if you're serving like tomatoes and garlic sauce or like sriracha, that's going to throw the pitta off balance. So I stayed away from those. There aren't really tomatoes in the book. And also onions and garlic, those are two things that are rajasic and tamasic. The word rajas means to create um, aggression or anger. It is a sub-quality, sub-guna of the pitta dosha. So I think in a lot of yoga teacher trainings, they do teach about the yeah. gunas. Um, but so rajas is to be like almost warrior-like. So that's why in ancient Ayurvedic times, it was a vegetarian diet unless you were a warrior and they wanted you to have rajas because you had to protect yeah. the nation. So they would actually give you meat, onion, garlic, the things that would bring up your aggression, interestingly enough. And tamas, tamasic, means dull to make you feel tired. And it's a sub quality of the kapha dosha. So um, onions are an example of this. So when you eat, let's say a lot of oniony foods, you feel tired or onion rings and dairy, sugar, excess carbs. These are all foods that make us feel tired, sleepy, frozen packaged foods, canned foods. These are all tamasic. So we wanna stay away from tamasic foods. So what we wanna eat are more sattvic foods. The word sattva means to promote clarity, light, um, 
essentially the yogic qualities, right? So sattvic foods are naturally tridoshic. So back to the pitta foods, we want to stay away from the rajasic foods. And then for kapha, we want to stay away from the tamasic foods. So the carbs, dairy, sugary foods, etc. So I took away all of those and um, I organized it for breakfasts because normally breakfast is something that you kind of eat on your own or may maybe you'll make it for someone else, but it's normally an individualistic thing. I have breakfasts for each dosha. They're the same recipes, but let's say your vata, these are the toppings you can do. Pitta, here's a an ingredient you can throw in to customize it for your dosha. For the lunches, they're all six taste bowls. So they are, these are the six tastes to eat in Ayurveda every single day. And the six tastes are, wait, let's see if you can name the six tastes. Uh, sweet, sour, savory, no. Sweet, sour, salty, astringent. Uh, that's as far as I go. Wait, uh, sweet, sour, salty, astringent. Uh, I need two more. Okay, what does a, a Brussels sprout taste like? Tart. Okay, what else? Uh, well, the way I make them, they taste delicious because <laughs> I saute them with like olive oil and stuff, <laughs> salt. Um, or like kale and asparagus. They're or like a lot of medicine. Bland. No, close. <laughs> Do you want me to just say it? Yeah, no, give me a hint. Um, so sometimes you add these to foods and it's so like a digestive. Oh, uh, I don't know. Bitter. Oh, right. Yes. So sweet, sour, sour salty, salty, bitter. Bitter. You said astringent. astringent. And then the last one, it's you probably aren't gonna guess this. It's pungent. Oh so pungent. pungent. Yeah. Give me an example of pungent. Okay, so I'll I'll start with sweet. I'll give you examples of okay. all of them. So in Ayurveda, we eat the six tastes every day, and that's going to naturally prevent you from having cravings, right? So for example, you talked about how you were on the Atkins diet and you didn't feel like happy. This yeah. happens to a lot of people, not just on the Atkins diet, but when they're on these like strict, Any like diet, no carb I've never diets. Been happy on diet. Right. So the reason why is because most of the time they totally take out the sweet category. So not just um, obviously like sugars and breads, but you're also taking out a sweet potato or a carrot or foods that aren't from earth but are naturally sweet on these like super low carb diets they don't eat those kind of foods so when you don't eat sweet foods you know sweetness is when you eat foods you feel sweet that's why we like them that's why we like chocolate that's why we like bread it naturally creates this feeling so when you take that out a lot of people who i speak to um when they do that they feel bitter in their lives. When you only eat bitter foods, you feel bitter, you feel angry, you feel this rajas, right? And I've, sp I've spoken to so many people saying they did these diets and they're like yelling at their kids all the time or they're feeling stressed out and they're feeling angry. Yeah. And especially the feminine needs some sort of sweet, right? That's why women, we naturally have more of a sweet tooth than men do because we actually hormonally need that as well. So sweet foods, it can be, as I mentioned, like root vegetables, like, um, butternut squash well technically that's a tree but you know sweet potatoes uh carrots apples apples things that fruits are all sweet foods grains quinoa rice these are all sweet foods so they're building they're essentially like 
the building force is like a carbohydrate in the diet. Yeah. Um, but then the unhealthy sweet foods are like sugars and things like that that we don't need. Salty foods would be foods that are naturally high in salt. So for example, like celery or sea vegetables, these naturally have sodium, so they're really beneficial, but it's not like table salt, as well as using a high quality like pink Himalayan sea salt or something that hides the iodine because especially a lot of us, we use these like filters, like Berkey filters, et cetera. They take out everything, including the minerals. So most of us are mineral deficient and we do need those minerals. And for a lot of people, especially Vata's, you feel thirsty all the time. Like I know for me, that's always a problem. I feel thirsty. So you need to be making sure you're getting in those minerals in. Otherwise you're going to be um, nutritionally like void. Yeah. Then sour, these are foods that stimulate digestion. So for example, lemon or lime or putting some apple cider or vinegar, these are foods that help um, produce stomach acid in your system and that's what helps um, break down the foods. Um, but for example, like a warhead or something is not a, a sour food that you would need. What's a warhead? Like those really sour oh, candies. Well, <laughs> Do you remember those? Right there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, did she just say I haven't had one of them? In I know. Like, teenager yeah totally okay continue um so bitter bitter foods are like most vegetables out there like kale brussels sprouts asparagus um broccoli cauliflower they all have like sort of bitter like qualities less so when you roast them but they are bitter foods and these are foods that are naturally very detoxifying and they help like eliminate toxins from the system um most bitter foods, I couldn't even name an example of a bitter food that's like really bad, but I'll talk about how they affect each dosha, but let's say you're someone who's underweight, you're very, very vata, you don't want to increase your bitter foods. You already probably are detoxifying too much. So instead you need to focus on more building foods like the sweet foods. Mm -hmm. um, and then pungent foods are like onions and garlic, spices, turmeric, things that have like a, a pungent or a a flavorful taste. And these are foods that also can help aid digestion and they can be medicinal, but they're very heat evoking, right? So if you're really pitta, it's not what you need. And then um, astringent foods. So astringent is a taste that most people are unfamiliar with. And it's kind of like the puckering feeling, like you have something you're like, hmm, it's like, almost drying in your mouth. Mm. So for example, like a cranberry, or if you eat like a banana that's not ripe or any food that's not ripe, um, it's almost this like, yeah, drying, like a raw asparagus, you know? It's like, it, it feels not quite ready yet. And this is also very detoxifying, but it can be too detoxifying. So we all need the six tastes every single day. And if you eat the six tastes, then naturally you won't have cravings for them because they have all of the nutrition you need, but you can customize them and focus on the taste that your dosha needs. So vatas want to focus on sweet, sour, and salty because these are foods that are going to build and less bitter, pungent, and astringent. Pittas want to focus on sweet, bitter, and astringent, and they want to do less salty, pungent, and um, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, astringent. I'm like, need to have a chalkboard to yeah, memorize these. Yeah. Um, hold on. Pittas need to do less sour, pungent, and astringent. Okay. Yes. And then kaffas need to do less sweet, sour, salty, and more bitter, pungent, astringent, which is the opposite oh, of vatas. And if you're like, what the hell are you saying, girl? Like it's all outlined in the book. And, um, 
with each recipe, I have little kind of like signs that are like, okay, if you're Vata, you can increase. So let's say in your sweet taste, um, six taste bowl, you can increase the sweet potato or you can increase the grains or whatever. So you can always customize them for your dosha, but they will always have the same ingredients in them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So it's like a Buddha bowl. Yeah. You can think of it like that. And, it, and it's still, and to me, like, I'm so happy eating like that. Like, that's like, I, you know, it's like you move the kitchery. I can eat kitchery. I have right. kitchery in my rice cooker right now. Oh, so good. You yeah. Know? And, and the good thing about all of the, the recipes, I made them really easy. So with the six taste bowls, there's something that you can make in advance. Like one, so there are a lot of like kind of modern adaptations to Ayurveda in this book. And one thing that Ayurveda said 5,000 years ago was that no food that's been cooked more than three hours ago should be consumed. And I was like, okay, well then what if you have a, a job that you yeah, can't like cook on the go, yeah. you know? And I really looked into a lot of the claims of Ayurveda and went back to why is that the case? And the case was they didn't have refrigerators back then. So if I cooked something and I just had it standing on my table and it's like 100 degrees in India, then obviously it's going to become bad. Whereas today we have refrigeration, we're able to store things properly. So I don't believe that you need to cook everything from scratch every single day. Yes, in a perfect world we all would, but it's better to have yesterday's six taste bowl than to order whatever Taco Bell for lunch today, yeah. right? And a lot of the other things um, in, in Ayurveda, for example, like mushrooms are traditionally not in Ayurveda. And I looked into that, like why, like mushrooms have so many health properties. There's so many parts of the world that eat them. Even in India and in Kashmir, mushrooms are a huge part of the diet. So why does Ayurveda say not to eat them? And I learned that was actually instilled by the British rule when they came to India because they saw a lot of psychedelic mushrooms grow in India and they didn't want people to ingest those. So they said people shouldn't eat mushrooms and that kind of turned into like mushrooms are bad for you. Mushrooms are tamasic. And yes, if you're eating tons of mushrooms, that is going to make you feel dull and heavy. But there are a lot of mushrooms with super healing properties and, um, you know, four sigmatic yeah, and all of these sigmatic. great mushrooms yeah. out there. So I believe you totally can eat yeah. mushrooms. It's just obviously knowing the climate and if, yeah, it's a psychedelic mushroom that you found on your floor, don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> no magic mushrooms here, guys. Yeah. Unless you want, and that's Unless, cool too. You know, whatever you want to do, it's your body. It's yes. Your body. So then all of the dinner recipes are all basically one pot, super easy recipes because most of the time we come home, the last thing we want to do is like put together this like elaborate dinner. So I wanted them to be super easy and they're all the dinners are totally tridoshic. So they have little signs like, okay, if you have like a super pitta partner, you can take off the onion and the garlic. Um, I also recommend replacing onion with fennel, like a fennel bulb. You can cut up just like an onion and saute it. It has a similar flavor, but it's not as pungent. So it's not imbalancing for the pittas. So um, for example, you can do like, I mean, there's so many in there and they're not just Indian food. I have like Argentinian, Vietnamese, Mexican, Italian, because I believe these guidelines can be placed with any sort of food around the world. And the, one of the reasons why Ayurveda hasn't grown in popularity as fast as macrobiotic diet or other things is because there have 
been a lot of just like traditionalists of like, this is only what Ayurveda is, but when you really, really dive deep into it, you see that Ayurveda is a living and breathing science. For example, the thing about the mushrooms was put in by the British, or the, the parts about spices being the medicine was put in when the British made Ayurveda become illegal. So Ayurveda is always changing and living and breathing. And the people who really understand it, like Dr. Suhas Kashir Sagar, who's Deepak's Ayurvedic doctor, and all of these people, they see that these adaptations need to happen. And that's the only way that Ayurveda can continue to grow and expand. So it doesn't mean you have to only eat Indian food to follow Ayurveda. It means looking at food with this Ayurvedic frame and guideline of knowing your doshic constitution, the constitution of the season, the climate, etc., and then making the right food choices for you. Uh, and this, thank you for creating this book, you guys. I'm just like flipping through it and it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It literally is like the most amazing pictures and everything looks so delicious. I, I'm just, I'm so blown away. I, I love all the little notes like replace one fennel bulb for a pitta or optional for a pitta. Like people are really going to get so much out of this book. I'm so excited for everybody to see this. Who did this amazing photography? Yeah, so the photography, I had the vision to go to India to shoot it all. So I literally, um, so my publishers are like, no, we're not paying for you to like go to India. So I spent my entire advance. I like literally, I'm, I'm not making a penny off this book. It's a pure ode of love oh to go goodness. to India. And I went on Instagram and started looking up hashtags and meeting with these random Indian street photographers. And I would fly to their city. And these are like, like a small village in Rajasthan and like a random little jungle place in Kerala and I would just meet up with them and we would walk around and take pictures and just kind of like see what happens. So all the pictures there are just like moments in time really. Wow. Like for example, that one that you're looking at, that was an island in Kerala made out of coconuts and the entire island survives off of coconuts. Like this island itself is made out of coconut shells. So Kerala, the word Kerala actually means coconut in um in tamil so they would literally cut the coconut like make oil with it they would make bowls with it they would eat it they would do everything with the coconut and then the only way to get to this island is to take a little tugboat across oh so that was me on the tugboat getting tugboat. to the island yeah it is absolutely stunning oh my goodness so I want to be respectful of your time and I, I didn't even actually look at the time until now and I'm like, because we I just want you to tell me all about everything, obviously, <laughs> all the time. Um, what is your biggest hope for people with having this book in their hand? Yeah, um, I think that for a lot of people, our spiritual journeys begin with food. I know that mine did and for me, it's... Food is just the predecessor to everything else. You know, in Ayurveda, they say food is only one fifth of your overall health. So my goal of this cookbook is not just so you can become a great chef, not just so you can lose weight or whatever it is, but it's what comes after the meal, right? It's, it's the in between those moments. It's so you don't have to worry and stress about what you're going to eat all the time. Because if I really calculated how much time I spent in my life stressing about food, whether it's why did I eat this or should I eat this? Is this bad for me? Let me Google this, blah, 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 blah. There's so much I could have created in that time. So I created this so you 
don't have to worry about it. So you can just know like, okay, this is what works for me. So I can move on with my life and focus on the bigger and greater things. And I think that us, especially as women, we're so focused on how can I lose weight? How can I get better skin? How can I do this? How can I do that? Like, that's fine. That's great. But it really doesn't matter. So for me, health is just the fuel you put in your car. And really, it's where your car is going that matters. Yeah. I mean, it is our most important commodity. Exactly. I agree. I'm, I'm so grateful that you created this. I really am so excited. It's better than I would have ever imagined it uh, to be. I'm so excited. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to see this. And again, uh, we can give some away to your community. Yeah. Yes. So for all of you listeners, I'm really excited. We're going to be giving away 20 books. Sahara, tell them how. So you can head over to Rosie's Instagram. And when you see the graphic for this episode, just leave a comment on what you would do with the information in this book. We would love to know how you're going to heal your family, your friends, your colleagues, everyone around you with the medicine that is in the pages of this book. So just leave your comment and we will be picking 20 of you and sending a book right over to your door. And I'm so excited to share this with you. And then you will be so excited, just as excited as we are, because this is a true gift. And, uh, you know, like I've said this to you before, obviously we're friends, but it's so nice and refreshing to have such an incredible woman on this show and to have an incredible friend like yourself that's driven and committed to bringing these types of healing modalities to the world. I'm always so inspired by you, by your tenacity, by your passion, by your love, and I'm so happy and I really wish you nothing but success with all of your endeavors, but especially with this book because I know you put so much love and hard work into it. Oh, well, thank you so much. And likewise, everything to you. So glad to have had you on this Panchakarma journey, podcast journey. And thank you for cultivating this incredible community. And I know all of your listeners have just as amazing and massive as a a heart as you do. So thank you to everyone listening and for hearing my story and for giving this new thing a chance. Like maybe this is your first time ever hearing about Ayurveda and you're just maybe going to Google it for the first time today. So wherever you are in your journey, like you are there and that is exactly where you're meant to be. Yeah. And so for those of you who are curious about what your dosha is, Sarah has an incredible dosha quiz on her website, which will be linked. All of her links to reach her will be in the info in the show notes. Yeah, they're they're all just I am Sahara Rose. So on Instagram, I am saharose.com. Um, and you can take the quiz and unlike any other quiz, I separate the results between the dosha in your mind and in your body. So in your body, you can follow the dietary um, suggestions. For example, if you have a vata body, follow vata, etc. And then for the dosha in your mind, you follow the lifestyle and meditation suggestions. So let's say you have a lot of pitta going on in your mind, so maybe you need more of a cooling and relaxing meditation practice we have a lot of vata in your body so you need more warming food so i really like to separate both so you can kind of have an exact understanding of what's going on with you today perfect thank you thank you uh final question i asked you this last time and i wonder if your answer will be different uh it's a two-part question how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love Mm. i feel radically loved when I'm in flow and I'm in alignment with my truth and I 
you know, I'm able to just surrender to the greater knowing that transmutes through me and not have to think about what I'm going to say next, but let the words like, like s totally like move through my body. I like imagine this like wave and you just like kind of lie down and like flow with it. And that's how everything in my life comes through me. It's never in the pushing and the pulling and the trying. It's always in the like, okay, this baby wants to be birthed right now and we're going to go do this. And whether it's a thought or a book or an idea or anything that I want to say, I'm always looking for that, that Kriya moment. Um, and what do I radically love? I radically love the community and the tribe. I think, you know, for me, I, as a kid, I was really shy and I didn't have friends growing up. And I always was like, I can do everything on my own. I don't need friends. I don't need anyone around me. Like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And what I really love is having tribe and having community and having other people to share it with. And I love to cultivate that. I love to be part of that. And I think that's, so what we need, I know you just posted on your Instagram today that you're going to be doing a talk about like seeing people in person and just like how this doesn't happen anymore. And it's so easy to like be like, oh my God, I've gone like a month without seeing a friend. It's so easy for that to happen. And um, I'm really stepping more and more into like tribe time is just as important as exercise as self-care as everything else like it should be it is the next like self-care movement going on today it's like spend time with human beings like i think that is how we can radically love each other <laughs> totally i totally agree with you thank you so much for being so amazing thank you is there something missing in your life is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming? So many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied, overwhelmed, tired, and desperate for a deeper connection, but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life. Join us this spring at the Dunsky Castle in Scotland for seven days of yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, all focusing on finding your life's purpose. During our time together, we will learn how and when to take action, how to lead from our heart and not our head, how to break up with our inner critic for good, and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life. For more information, go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at radicallyloved.com, subject Scotland. We'll see you soon. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.